Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Well, welcome back, Flourish. I'm so excited to talk to y'all tonight. So what we're gonna, what we do in our connect groups at Kingsgate um, is that we reflect the message from Sunday that Pastor Matt preaches or whoever preaches on Sunday. We reflect that message and we kind of study it or, or talk about it a little bit more in our connect groups every week. And so that's what we're doing tonight, is we're going to talk a little bit more about what Pastor Matt is teaching on. And right now, his, his sermon series is called, It's Time to Speak Up. And he's focusing on, you know, communication and different things. But this past week, he started the series off with talking about truth and why people um, have a hard time speaking the truth, why people have a hard time speaking out about the truth or standing up for God or standing up for what they believe. Um, and so today I was studying the verses that he um, taught on Sunday. And so as I was studying those verses, I kind of went a little bit different direction than what he did. But I want to go ahead and teach on truth. So tonight's message is called, Did God Really Say? Question mark. Did God really say? And, I wanted to, and the subtitle is, The Truth About Truth. So we live in a culture. Okay, so... I wanted to start off by saying we live in a world and in a culture and in a time where truth is constantly under attack, right? Um, but I wrote that down and then I stopped and I started thinking and reflecting and meditating and I'm like, mm, we don't really live in a time where truth is being attacked. Truth has always been attacked since the Garden of Eden. And that's what my message is going to be about tonight, going all the way back to the Garden. But truth is attacked in our time. It's been attacked forever, but it's also being attacked in our time. And the problem with the find your truth movement or the find your truth teaching or everybody find your truth, be your truth, is that it doesn't call for any type of change. It just says, find your truth and be that. But that's not the teachings of Jesus. And a lot of times, though, people will use the argument, well, Jesus Jesus ate with sinners. Well, of course he did. Jesus loved sinners. But did he eat with sinners to leave them in the condition that they were in? No. He, he ate with sinners and he hung out with sinners so that they would be exposed to the truth. Yeah. And when you're exposed to the truth, then there's a call to change. And so the problem is that nobody wants to change. Everybody wants to shift their doctrine or their beliefs or they want to they want to twist the bible or they want to do away with the bible entirely so that then their lifestyle is justified and there's no call to change truth will always call for change and we have to know and this is really important ladies if you are going to grow in the things of god if you're going to be used in the kingdom of god if you want to make a difference in your world and i believe that we all do you have to love truth and you have to be watchful of what truth is. You have to be very vigilant and on guard about truth because lies are sneaking in every different direction all day long. Social media, television, newspapers, headlines, even, even from some quote unquote Christians who are false teachers. So we have to be vi very vigilant about our own hearts and our own love for truth. We have to, the first thing we have to do is we have to love truth. 
We have to want and crave for someone to tell us the truth. Um, one of the things that Matt and I have built our life, our marriage, our ministry, everything on is loving truth and having authority that has the right to speak that truth to us. And that we see as a protection. We were just talking about it today about the benefit and the value of having a 74, I think pastor is 74, 74 year old pastor who's been in the ministry 40 years, who still daily speaks into our lives. He'll call us up, he'll call Matt up and say, hey, put Jen on the phone. And he'll put it on speakerphone and he'll just start speaking truth. Whether it's something he read in the Word that morning, something he read in the headlines that he wants to counter with truth, something that's going on in the church that he wants to counter with truth, he's constantly speaking and protecting us with truth, and that's a protection for us. So we have to, number one, we have to love truth, and we have to prefer, prefer truth over hearing what we want to hear, what makes us feel good. We have to prefer truth over everything. We definitely have to pre prefer truth over lies, but we have to prefer truth over partial truth or twisted truth or truth that just kind of makes us feel good does that make sense so um john chapter 8 verse 32 says and you will know the truth and what the truth will set you free so this truth thing that everybody wants us to believe is a bad thing is really the thing that sets us free there has to be a standard of truth so when we say truth, what I'm referring to is the truth, not a truth, not her truth, not their truth, the truth, a standard, a line in the sand that this is the truth. Well, what do we know is the truth? The Bible says that Jesus is what? The way, the truth, and the life. And then the Bible says in John chapter 16, Write that down. You can look it up later. John chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he, will, he hears, he will speak. So then Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible is God's word, right? And it is the truth. And the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. So we need all facets of who God is to know truth, okay? And then one other verse before I move on to my main points is that, well, two more. Psalm 119.105. Who knows that one? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So when you're walking around in the darkness and you need to know what's truth, shine a light on it. The, whole, the word is our truth. And then this last verse, John chapter 8 verse, uh, I'm sorry, James chapter 3 verse 1. This one's... This one's, this one's why Matt and I speak the truth. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. So can you imagine if I, as a, what is a pastor? A shepherd. What does a shepherd do? What does a shepherd do? Takes care of the flock, watches over the flock. So if Jesus who is our great shepherd, has called some of us to then be pastors, shepherds of flocks, flocks here on earth. If I, as a shepherd, watered down the truth and didn't speak the truth, then I am leading the sheep astray from the ultimate shepherd. My, goal, my responsibility is to lead people to Jesus. Well, you can't get to Jesus if you're not walking in truth. 
and if you're not living in truth. If you, if you, like for example, let's use one false doctrine for example. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, you never need to repent again. You're good, you're on your way to heaven. Jesus provided for our forgiveness on the cross. You are saved when you accept Jesus as your Savior. You are the righteousness of God. Grace has provided for you to be clean before God because of what Jesus did on the cross. But if you make a mistake next week, you have to repent. You have to go to God and you have to say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me for my sins. We continue to repent and go back to the cross and go back to the cross and go back to the cross to, to surrender our sins to the cross so that we can be forgiven, right? So I just wanted to give you those, those first four verses to lay the foundation for why truth is so important. So number one, we were created in innocence, okay? So what, is, what do you mean by that? We were created in innocence. Well, when Jesus created Adam, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in perfect innocence. There was no sin, right? They didn't even have need for clothing because there was no shame. There was no sin. It was this perfect environment. And then sin came into the garden, and all of a sudden they needed to be covered, right? Everybody knows this story. Why is it? that we feel so good in God's presence. Like right now, I don't know how many of y'all felt the anointing as we were praying, you could feel God's presence. Why is it, first of all, obviously the first reason is because God is our creator and we love to be in communion with him. But what's another reason that we love to be in God's presence? Because safe. Safe? What feels else? Good. Huh? Feels good. It feels good? <laughs> Why does it feel good, Carmen? I'm just looking for a certain word here. It's peaceful. It's peaceful. What else? Love, protection. protection, good. And we're created. Have you ever been to a movie that you probably shouldn't have gone to? Mm. How do you feel when you walk out of there? Mm. Like, ugh, right? You feel just gross. In comparison, how do you feel when you're in the presence of God? I think that's clean. what you're supposed to be. Clean. clean. That's the word I'm looking for. You feel pure and clean. God created you. <clears throat> in innocence, for innocence. And the enemy and sin comes into our lives and robs of our innocence, right? Mm -hmm. And then the only way to get back to that place of innocence is through Jesus, mm -hmm. right? The only way to get back to that place of innocence is through Jesus. And that's why people want to justify sin because they want to feel innocent. They do their best to line up scripture or to line up false teaching or to or just to do away with the bible entirely because it makes them feel their sin it makes them it makes us feel our need for a savior our need to be cleansed we all crave innocence and when innocence and purity and righteousness is more attractive to you than worldliness that's that's when you're headed in the right direction that's when you start to, 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 to shun and push away the things that grieve the Holy Spirit inside of you, that make you feel shame or make you feel that, that ick, for lack of a better word. And that's when you begin to push more towards the purity of God. And this isn't legalism. This isn't like, you better live right, you better be holy, you better be pure. No, this is, God, I'm drawing closer to you and closer and closer to you. And the closer I get to you, the less I want that stuff. Yeah. Because I'm returning back to a place of innocence and where you created me to be. Yeah. 
Now, my innocence, I can't gain it. I can't earn it. I can't achieve it, right? I don't deserve. I, I don't deserve to stand before the judge of the universe and be ruled innocent. I deserve to be, to, to, for the ruling to be found guilty because I'm imperfect. I've made lots of mistakes and made a lot of wrong choices in my life. But because Jesus is standing there with me in that courtroom, I get to be called innocent because of what Jesus did on the cross, because I, li- I, I, I believe him, receive him, and then I begin to live out that grace that keeps me holy and pure, okay? So we were created for innocence, not for perversion and all the other things that the world right now wants you to believe you were created like the animals. You were created... Um, I don't even really care to get into all of the filth of what they say we were created for because bottom line is what we need to drive home is we were created for innocence, for holiness, for purity, for that garden relationship with God. Does that make sense? Okay. So number two, the goal of the enemy has always been to twist the truth. Okay. The goal of the enemy has always been to twist the truth. So in the garden, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 in the garden. Adam and Eve, they're hanging out. They're, they, got the whole, they got this thing, man. Like They have a hookup. They got the setup. They got everything that they need. <clears throat> they're hanging out with, Jesus, with God every day. They have access to whatever they need. God has provided everything that they need. They have a peaceful life. God comes to them and tells them what? <laughs> Little Camila. Camila knows the story, and she always says not to eat. So you don't eat from what? From the tree. tree. Okay, everybody note that in your mind real quick before we go on. God says, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? So then here comes the serpent in Genesis chapter 3, and he says, verse 1, the shrewdest of all the wild animals. Shrewd, what does shrewd mean? Cunning conniving, deceitful, deceiving, lying. Okay, so he's the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say, Mm. write that down in your notes, Um. did God really say, dot, 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 you must not eat the fruit of any trees in the garden? Did God really say not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? Did he? No. No. What did he say? Don't eat from that tree. So the enemy is always going to twist what God says. He's going to misquote God to you. He's going to twist it. He's going to he's going to make the enemy he's going to make the truth seem like the enemy. He's going to make the 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 one thing God's telling you not to do seem like oh that that tough God up there. Man, he's not very loving. He's keeping you from that one tree. And it's like, okay, did God really, like, let's use it in our terms, in our modern terms. Did God really say homosexuality is a sin? Did God really say abortion is murder? Why would a loving God say that? Why? The enemy will have you questioning the character of God. Why would, why would God, did God really say that sex outside of marriage was wrong? And then, they, and then let's expand it a little more. Did God really say that you're not supposed to have sex? Well, no. God created sex for inside marriage. 
to be pure and innocent. And so the enemy comes to you, he'll misquote God to you, he'll misquote the word to you, and then he'll have you questioning God's motives and God's heart towards you. But that moves us on to number three. God's boundaries have always been for our protection. Right? God's boundaries are never for our bad, never to mistreat us or to withhold from us. They're always to protect us. Look, here's the deal. God created you. God created us. Um, I heard John Bevere say this yesterday, and it went right along with what I was going to be teaching. He said, God created you. He knows you in and out. He knows what makes you work, and he knows what breaks you, and he knows what fixes you. Right? So God knows. He's the creator. So God shows up in the garden. He created all of this. He created those trees. He created that dumb serpent. He created Adam and Eve and every leaf and every flower and every rock. He created all of it, right? So God shows up on the scene and says, don't eat that tree. And then the serpent shows up and goes, God said you couldn't eat any of this fruit. And they start looking around and going, man, did God say that? And what should be happening in that scene is, well, I don't know why he told me not to eat from that tree, but I'm not going to eat from it because he's the boss. He created all this, and he knows what's going on, and I don't. So, I mean, I'm not saying that that's what I would have done. I probably would have done what Adam and Eve did, but (laughs) I'm just saying that's what should have happened. We don't get to gather up all of our friends in the garden with us and go, let's take a vote. Did God say we we shouldn't eat from that tree? Let's, let's take a vote. Let's, let's gather up everybody and let's have a discussion. Let's search the scriptures for whether or not that tree is going to send us to hell. I don't think the question we should be asking is, is this going to send me to hell? I think the question we should be asking is, did God tell me not to? And is this going to make me far from him? Or is this going to make me closer to him? If there's a gray area in your life, look at that gray area and go, is this going to bring me closer to God? Or is this going to push me further from God? That's a pretty easy standard to go by. Huh? Yeah, I'm recording. Yeah, I'm recording. Um, so God created us with free will, right? Here, now get this. You might want to write this down too. God created us with free will. But true Christianity is submitting our will to God's will and doing it his way. That's what you, I mean, you might as well not be a Christian if you're going to just keep doing it your way. That, the Bible says, take up your cross and follow after me. Don't even, just don't even claim to be a Christian if you're going to keep doing it your way. And when you find scriptures in the Bible that either A, you don't like, or B, you don't understand, it's okay. Slow down and study them. I'll use an example in my life. At a very young age, I knew, like, like, like Megan was talking about on the video, I knew that I had a spiritual gift for teaching and preaching. And it was being confirmed in my youth group, my youth pastor, these youth camps I'd go to, wherever I went, they'd tell me to give my testimony, and then somebody would come up to me and prophesy that I was supposed to preach. So I knew that at a young age, but I couldn't reconcile it with the scripture that said, I don't allow women to speak. Have you guys read that in 2 Timothy? So my whole teenage years and early 20 years, I had this turmoil inside of me. Wait, but God's, your word says the women aren't supposed to speak. But I feel called to preach. What am I supposed to do with myself? Right? 
And so instead of just doing away with that, because I love truth, right? I love truth so much that I was willing to set my calling aside to follow this false doctrine and false teaching about women preaching. But I love truth enough to study it. I asked a lot of questions, but I didn't get the answers I wanted. I asked my, counsel, my, my spiritual leaders, and they would all go, of course you can preach. That's not what that verse means. But that wasn't enough for me. Like, I needed to really know this is okay. And so I did. I started reading books and studying and reading the historical, the, the history and the, the context and knowing what that scripture really meant. Do y'all want to know? Yeah. Y'all want to know or you want me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. What Paul was saying, I'm just going to tell you real quick. In that verse where he says, I don't allow women to speak, they need to go home and ask their husbands. It sounds like such a chauvinistic verse, right? It's like, what? We got to be quiet and go ask our husbands. What is wrong with you, Paul? But what Paul was actually doing was he was liberating women. He was a liberator of women. He wasn't a chauvinist. Back in those days, women weren't even allowed in the church at all. They had to sit outside the door and listen from outside. They weren't even allowed inside the tabernacle. So Paul said, no, come on in, but sit on this side and men sit on this side. While the women were held under the thumb of society so much that they had no education. They didn't understand anything that was being taught. So they were shouting across the aisle to ask their husbands (laughs) during the teaching and the preaching, hey, babe, what's he mean by that? And it was disruptive. And you got to remember, it's also the Middle East, right? So it's passionate and loud. And so what Paul was saying was, I don't allow the women to talk during the service on Sunday or whatever day they were meeting. you got to be quiet. When the service is over, go home and ask your husbands. So that's an example of us finding a scripture that maybe pricks us or we don't understand, and we're brave enough to not be lazy and to dig in and find out what it really means. Instead of just, instead of just making our sinful life, not that that was sinful, that's, that's a different example but making our sin fit into scripture that's not that's not what god's called us to do he's called us to raise the standard of holiness okay um number four so number three was god's boundaries have always been for our protection number four disregarding truth is dangerous galatians chapter 5 verse 7 through 9 um, would somebody read that for me? Galatians chapter 5. Verse, Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 through 9. And I want you to read it in the New Living. Okay. Yes, go. You are running to the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. So what does a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough mean? It just takes a little bit of yeast to make the whole loaf rise, right? And so what he's teaching them here, look back at verse 7. It says, what happened? You were running the race so well. Who is it that held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God. For he's the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. So disregarding the truth is dangerous. 
Because if we if we disregard a little bit of truth and if we accept a little bit of lies, then it's going to start to get into our entire belief system. We don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to be afraid that oh my gosh, I'm going to fall for a false doctrine and I'm going to be I'm going to end up a wacko. <laughs> no. no, what I'm all I'm saying is that we have to love truth enough that when we hear it, we receive it. That's really all you have to do is just love it enough that when you hear it, you go. Yes, God, I receive that truth. Make, make sense? Okay. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. In the Amplified, make sure if you're writing this down, you write it in your notes to look it up in the Amplified. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge of my word where I reveal my will. Okay, let's hit that one more time. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge of my word where I reveal my will. So everybody always quotes, my people are destroyed by lack of knowledge, period. Well, if you look at the true meaning of that word knowledge, it's the knowledge of his word where he reveals his will. So we're destroyed by our lack of knowledge of his word, I mean, his will discovered through his word. Does that make sense? So it's not just, oh, lack of knowledge. No, it's lack of knowing his will for your life, for today, through his word. Okay, good so far? Okay, number five. We're talking, we've talked about the truth. We've talked about the enemy and his lies. We've talked about loving truth. How about, number five, tell the truth. Tell the truth to yourself. Tell the truth to others. Tell the truth to God. Tell God. I'm not okay. I don't understand. I'm hurt. I'm weary. I'm exhausted. Um, you've given me these gifts, and I don't feel like it's being used. I want to be used. I want to be used for, in your kingdom. I want this gift to be awakened. I want more opportunities to share the gospel. Whatever it is, tell the truth to God. Tell the truth to yourself. Tell yourself the truth. Don't believe that little lawyer in your head that's justifying your wrong actions, because you have one. We all have one. Oh, it's okay for you, but it's not okay for everybody else? That's not, no, that's not the way that it works. Tell yourself the truth. Say, girl, sit down. Be quiet. You're wrong. Don't act like that. Tell yourself the truth. Say, you did really good with that yesterday, but today, not so much. Stop gossiping. Stop. Um, tell yourself, tell yourself um, man, you were really mean this morning. You need to straighten up. Whatever it is, tell yourself. Tell yourself the truth. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself about, also don't lie to yourself about how great you're doing. <laughs> no, I mean, the opposite side of the coin, you are doing great. You are a lot further along than you were a year ago. Tell yourself that. Say, girl, don't be ashamed. Don't be hard on yourself. You're doing great. But on the other end of that coin, don't tell yourself you're doing great if you're not. Tell yourself, pull it together. <laughs> tell others the truth. Now, this one we got to slow down a little bit on. We tell others the truth in in love we don't just spout off we have to always be walking in love walking in love though does not mean we don't set boundaries you can tell somebody the truth you can be walking in love with someone and deny them access to you that's that's the truth you can love someone like i'll use brianna's example because she knows we're cool and this example doesn't apply to us but i could love brianna 
and walk in love with her and have forgiveness and a pure heart towards her and be kind to her and be Christian to her, but not let her have access to the depths of my heart or have access to, to me in general if her behavior and her lifestyle is toxic or negative for me. If it's exposing me to start to believe lies, if it's exposing me to something that's not truth, if it's exposing me to something that's not pure. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5.11, and I'm paraphrasing because I'm not going to look it up, but it says, if a believer among you continues to live in sexual sin, um, what are the other ones listed in there? Fali, will you read it out loud for me, babe? 5.11? Yeah. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. Mm. So why do we think that we can't deny access to people who shouldn't have access to us? It says it right there in the Bible. In fact, it's, it's, it's an instruction that if, a, if someone claims to be a believer and is living drunkenness, idolatry, greed, sexual sin, that we shouldn't even sit down and eat with them. But Jesus ate with sinners. That's not the same thing. Here we go with truth now. What's the difference? Because so, this is what's going to happen. If you ever use that verse, someone's going to go, but Jesus ate with sinners. What does that first part of that verse say? Vali. But what does it say, Vali? People who claim to be a believer. People who claim to be a believer. They're not just worldly sinners that are out there needing a savior who have absolutely no idea what it means to be a Christian. And the verse before it says, I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or greedy or cheat people or worship idols, you would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. Mm. And that instruction is there for our protection. Yeah. But no, we want to just keep giving them a chance and keep giving them access and keep being around them because we think, I got to walk in love and I'm just going to keep it, I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep And it's affecting us and it's, it's draining us and it's taking our attention away from where our attention needs to be and it's affecting us emotionally. I know because I've been there. And it's just wearing on us and wearing on us and wearing on us and God's going... I didn't tell you to hold on to that relationship. Yeah. I, that relationship has changed. You got to let that one go. You got to cut, cut, cut. Let that one go. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to walk in love with that person, but my relationship with them has changed. And they don't have access to me the way that they did before. Right? But now with a sinner, how do we, do, how do we treat them? We, we do like Jesus did. He, he ate with sinners yeah. and exposed them to the truth. And then if they, if they wanted to make the change... They followed him, and if they didn't, they didn't. Yeah. But they had a choice after they were exposed to that truth. Okay? So that one was under tell the truth to others. Oh, we were talking about walking in love. I mean, speaking the truth in love. I don't think I need to expound on that anymore. Y'all know, know the difference in speaking the truth in love and not, right? Okay. We know the difference. And then we also have to speak the truth, tell the truth to the enemy. The truth is your weapon. You guys, there was a season in my life where I just didn't even know if I was going to live through it. <laughs> like, I've been through some, some tough seasons where I didn't know if I was going to make it through the next day. And the, 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 I, there were a lot of things that I did and a lot of things that people helped me to do to get through that season. But it started with using the word in my mind as a weapon. Mm -hmm. All night long sometimes when I had insomnia and couldn't sleep all night long, I would, I would just quote scripture all night long. To fight. I had to fight. We have to fight. There is a battle in our minds. And when we're going through a battle in our minds, sometimes it's only one scripture. 
I remember telling Adrian, like, I can't remember seven, but I got one. And I would just quote that scripture over and over and over and fight that battle in my mind with the word. And then I would speak it out of my mouth. Speak the truth out of your mouth. When the enemy comes at you with shame, guilt, depression, anxiety, fear, um, a lie, twisting something up and trying to make you feel guilty for something, manipulating you, whatever it is, speak the truth concerning that situation. Okay? All right. So many of our emotional and relational problems stem from lies we believe or lies we tell. So many of our emotional and relational problems stem from lies we believe or lies we tell. Just just love truth, you guys. It's hard. I know it's hard. And, and the enemy hates this. When you sit down and you start building a culture in your home of truth and not allowing lies in your marriage, in your kids, in your home, in your church, he hates this. Because truth is where there's light. And light is where there's freedom. And freedom is where you can, you, it, it's where he no longer has a hold on you and you get to be the, all that God's created you to be and you get to be free. But the enemy wants to keep us in the darkness and in lies and in manipulation and in confusion and in sin, really. But we tell the truth, okay? When you know the truth, you have a healthy, val- a healthy view of your own value and you stand up for yourself. When you know the truth, you're not easily manipulated, and you're also not a manipulator when you love truth. You're not easy, easily manipulated. You can love someone deeply and show them love and respect and not allow them access to your heart. And number six, we're going to close with this. Truth brings freedom and wholeness. Knowing and loving the truth is really, it's the beginning of your true identity. Because as you know and love the truth, then you know, you know God for who he really is. Like, let's go back to that example of the garden. You know God's not trying to withhold the whole garden from me. He's not trying to withhold all the great things from me. A life submitted to God is a life of, of freedom and purity and righteousness and excitement and fun and good things and blessings. Sure, there's hard things that come along. And sure, we're called to take up our cross and follow Jesus. But... Along the way, there's this, well, simply there's the the blessing of salvation and forgiveness and wholeness and healing and all these things. So if we go back to the garden, we know that when the enemy comes at us, the truth of who God is is our first step. And knowing, oh, God loves me. God has a good plan for me. Then as we know him, he reveals to us who we really are. He shows us, babe, this is who I've created you to be. This is why you're good at that. This is why you have this certain talent. This is why you have this certain ability. I put that in you. You begin to see who you really are if you love truth. If you don't, you end up confused and like topless on a march screaming for babies to be murdered. Like, I hate to say that, but that's just the truth. That's where lies get us. That's where the confusion about who God is and who we are gets us. Let's be real. The enemy doesn't just want you to, to believe a little, a little white lie today. No. His goal is to get you so confused and so caught up in, in the lies and con- deception and confusion of this world that you don't know what's up and what's down anymore. And now you're mad because the government won't let you murder babies. That's the truth. That's where, lies want, that's where the enemy wants us to be. 
When you know the truth, you are free from family standards and habits that are lies. When you love and know the truth, you're free from family standards and habits that are lies. When you know the truth, you're teachable and free. A lack of truth opens the door to bitterness. So if we don't love truth, then we end up bitter towards God, bitter towards others, bitter towards ourselves. But when we love truth, it's like, let's go back to that very first point. We were created for innocence. And, and I was just praying this today as I started to have this revelation from Genesis chapter 3. I'm like, the enemy just asks us all day, every day, did God really say? Because everybody in this room, every single one of you in this room want to do what's right. You wouldn't be here if you didn't, right? So we have these complex, we have relationships, we have decisions we have to make every day. And because we want to do what's right, we're trying to do what's right. We're questioning in our mind, I want to do this the right way. And we're like, even when our hearts are right, we're going, did God, is that, is that pleasing to God? Did God really say? But we have to be more interested in the presence of God and the innocence that he created us in than we are in the world and in worldliness and in the draw of the world. Amen? Amen. All right, let's just take some time and pray. Father, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord, for your presence. I thank you for your truth. I thank you, God, that your truth is the standard that protects us, that covers us. God, we want to love and cling to truth. We want to know you through your truth. We want to know who you really are. And God, we want you to be the boss of our lives. We want you to be the one who says yes and no and this way and that way. And we want to submit to that and follow that. God, areas of our lives where we're confused, every areas of our lives where we don't know what the right thing is to do, we ask that you would heal and touch those areas. We ask, God, that you would reveal your truth to us concerning relationship problems and complicated issues at work, that you would just heal and restore and bring us to a place of truth. In Jesus' name.